music. And she started to feel it. She started to get it. She started to understand where the drops happen and the crowd just went wild. And after that, she's like, oh my God, that style of music. And she started loving it and it started, you know, she started to listen to it on her own and appreciate it. And I feel like that's our goal as a DJ is that whatever you're spinning, you want people to feel what you feel right it, it's definitely yeah. and and it's a journey for sure um you're taking them through their emotions it is even with edm and houseware it's like i spoke it into existence then i think back like nah. no i did it it was hard work sacrifice discipline commitments big balls yep. big falls yep. bigger ups yep. good intentions yep. take a look in the mirror i'm proud of who looks back so i stand tall lace up my jays grab my book bag and All right, everyone, welcome to episode four. We got Raj and Bubs back on the line today. Um, hope everyone's doing okay and you've been able to listen to the first three episodes thus far. Uh, we've really appreciated all the love and feedback and we're really loving hearing all of that. So, yeah, it's uh, been awesome to hear from people that it like it's just been years that we haven't reached out to or talked to and uh, just randomly reaching out. So definitely feel the love. Yeah, I mean, we've legit had like people from that we haven't talked to since like high school. Like, hey, do you remember me? This is is a cool podcast you guys have started. So that's awesome. Um, So our guest today, we're super excited to have her on. And you know, shout out to Akmik, Subroot's older brother, actually put us in touch with her um, and was able to make this happen. So big shout out to him. Thank you, thank you. Many of you may have heard of her. I think she, what she does is super cool. I've delved into a little bit of her music and jam since uh, learning more about her. Um, but without further ado, we have uh, Jessica Dillon, a.k.a. DJ Goddess, on our she episode the best. today. Oh, I love Woo! it. I love it. <laughs> Hi, guys. What's up? <laughs> Not too much. We're on the West Coast today. You guys are on the East Coast, I believe. <laughs> yeah, Central Time. Central, Central, Mid- yes. <laughs> I guess the Midwest is what it would be called. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Midwest. That's us. <laughs> so, Jessica, I, you know, I've read a lot about you. We've kind of talked in the weeks leading up to this, and it's been really interesting to hear your story. But kind of in a nutshell, and we'll obviously dive deeper into all of these subtopics, but tell us about yourself. I know you've had an interesting journey from college and onwards towards where you are now to, you know, this uh international dj dj goddess just tell us about that well yeah it's a, it's a long short story but i'll try to condense it um i actually went to university for biology and business finished off my degree definitely was more on the studious nerdy side uh i think if you ask people from my past they would never they'd be like we never thought she'd be a dj maybe a doctor like you raj um <laughs> but i chose definitely a different path post um, graduating from university uh even in high school i was such a nerd I mean, I was one of those well-rounded people, I would like to say. I was, you know, dancing, playing basketball, total baller girl, and um, head in the books, though. Uh, And uh, and then post-university, I felt like I wanted to kind of explore and just kind of see what I'm passionate about. And um, in fact, one of the summers in, uh, I went to the UK while I was in university for a work exchange program. And uh, London has quite a big art community and I got to see musicals and comedy sketches and I wanted to come back and take 
some courses and classes and kind of explore. And so I went into acting for like a minute uh, and I just uh, felt like it, it wasn't really my jam. I mean, I still kind of do that in music videos, but I felt like drama and all of that was, it, it's definitely a tough craft. And I met this producer who was like, you're so um, business driven. I think you should try the production side of things. If you're considering acting, I think you should consider a production as well. And at first I thought maybe it's some sleazy producer that want, is looking for a female yeah. intern because you hear so many stories. Uh, but he yeah. ended up being super legit. And um, before I knew it, I was traveling to San Francisco. I was going to the Hollywood special effects studio out there. I'm sure you've heard of George Lucas and Star Wars. So they did the Star Star Wars franchise, um, all like the physical modeling oh, wow. and physical effects. And I got to see things being blown up and all that sort of thing um, because it started, they carried on the brand Industrial Light and Magic. And uh, so I got to see pieces of Avatar, Red Tails, Pirates of the Caribbean 4. So cool. It was, it was really, really cool. And um, because of I had such a business mindset, I really worked my way up from being an intern to an associate producer um, to then executive producer. Uh, I was trying to bridge the gap between Bollywood and Hollywood. And I was like, hey, let me take you to India. And and. Yeah. It's just crazy how things worked out, and uh, my the CEO of the studios was super impressed, and uh, and just along the way we got a lot of opportunities, and I got to executive produce a uh, a film that was based on child trafficking, but it had Bollywood and Hollywood actors involved in it, and uh, that was a great experience as well. So I actually have film production. Uh, I did film production in between on the business so back end. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know well, that. Well, what's the what's the name of that uh, production that you had? The child trafficking. It's called Sold, and it's uh, it was based on an award winning novel called Sold, and the uh, director that um, di the director actually won an Oscar as well for short films in the past, and he was the director for it. So there was just a lot of big names attached, and they also had David Arquette involved. I'm sure you know him from the Scream. The Scream yeah. series, uh, David yeah. Arquette or Courtney Cox's <laughs> ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was pretty crazy. And then um, Emma Thompson was a uh, executive producer on there. No way. Wow. Yeah. And then from there, uh, I was just going on so many contracts to San Francisco where the studio was based. And I had one friend because as you can like you probably know uh, it's a male dominated production field and there were like a lot sure. of white men and it wasn't I and I was like okay well I want to uh what am I going to do on the weekends so I had one friend that was a DJ and every weekend I would call him out and I'm like okay I want to join you and uh come see what you're doing and I would just be observing I didn't drink at the time I would just <laughs> still super nerdy I would say and just hang yeah. behind him like just watching what he was doing and I'm like you know what I want to learn how to DJ and he's like go for it let's do this uh, I actually came back learned from another female DJ and she taught me literally in a week and she's like you have a natural knack for this and you should stick stick to it right and so That's I did cool. and she's like just make some pocket money on the side it will be good when you're on breaks from the production stuff and it just kind of blew up from there because there weren't that many female DJs. Uh, I mean, there was DJ Reka in New York um, and just a few others like DJ Caper in the UK, but there wasn't really a big one in Canada. 
So I just rolled with it, and before I knew it, I was touring. <laughs> what what year so, was that roughly? Like that you started DJing? DJing would have been about twenty twelve. I'm at my ten year anniversary almost, but I want to minus yeah. the two years that was stolen from us <laughs> due to COVID. <laughs> So eight years of solid DJing, two years off, and then literally back full swing into it. Man. And so before you went to London for this exchange program, did you have any exposure to that sort of stuff like production, film? Was that something you had a lot of exposure to or was that like your first time getting that sort of exposure? I would say I grew up watching a lot of movies, a lot of Bollywood movies, in fact, and dancing. So I was, I would say I was interested in it. and. Yeah. Um, hands-on in terms of the dancing and listening part but actually producing creatively producing gigging all of that I had no exposure whatsoever I barely went out clubbing while in university my I would be dragging my feet I would lock myself in my room and it would be a friend's birthday and that's where I would be DD and I'm like fine (laughs) I'll drive you (laughs) guys and okay like I'll come out which is so ironic. <laughs> I, I think that's so cool how you, like both times for the production and film side and the music side, you you kind of just had kind of these exposures to it. And you're like, oh, this is actually really freaking cool. And I want to do this. And he just did it. And both times it served <laughs> you very well. Like not a lot of people can say that, I feel like. Yeah, learn learn by doing. I definitely feel like you need to plunge into things like if I hear so many people wanting to do so many things but they don't act on it they're waiting on the right time or they have a lot of excuses and and they might be valid excuses but at the same time if you want something bad enough you really have to jump in just like you with the podcast you guys obviously said hey let's let's start something cool let's do this and you jumped in on it right yeah, yeah. I was reading something today that that, re- that reminds me of. It was saying basically, if you're going to fail, fail quick. And the point of that was like, just if you're going to go for something, go for something. And either it works out or it doesn't. And if you fail, you failed quickly. But that was kind of the mentality that I think that statement was trying to reflect. And that's what, what you're saying reminds me of. That's great. And I feel like even if you fail multiple times and you keep trying, that's what's important as well. You know, we fail at many things, but the way success is not a straight road. Of course, you're going to fail many times along the way. Otherwise, everybody would be successful, right? It's the people that have failed probably multiple times. You look at Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, you look at all the big, big wigs. Obviously, they've failed multiple times before actually being successful, but they were persistent. (laughs) Nope. For yeah. sure. Um, so Jessica, I wanted to jump into your family and learn a little bit more about that. So could you tell us a little bit more about your your parents, your family life, your upbringing? Um, really just want to learn a little bit more about that family life. Sure. Uh, so I'm actually a small town girl. So I was born and raised in Prince Rupert. My parents uh, immigrated, I don't even know, in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, to Canada and they settled in the small town of Prince Rupert. It's so tiny. It's 12,000 people. There's like two how, high. How'd they pick, how'd they pick that? You know what? There were a lot of <laughs> mill, mill opportunities there. So back in the day, I feel like mill opportunities were huge for the Indian community. It was uh, easier work, better pay, that sort of thing. And so 
a lot of people that came through the ports of Vancouver, I feel, went up north for these opportunities to work. And, and there were better jobs, for sure, rather than struggling in Vancouver. There was much more opportunity to work. What's mill opportunities like? Mill. Like, mill. Like text, textile mills? Mills. Actually, it's a pulp mill. So it's a paper industry mill that's up there in Prince Rupert. Oh, okay. Yeah. In fact, okay. I believe that shut down as well. <laughs> so things I, that that town is kind of growing very. I mean, not growing is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, but but it was a great way. I feel like I, I have no. I think it was such a lovely town to be brought up in. There's so much nature. There's water, and you know we'd rollerblade and play sports. It was just a small community, which I loved. I, I think it's a great way. In fact, raising kids in this these days and age, you want to sometimes the influence of a big city, uh, as much opportunity as it, it's that is there, I feel like getting away from it all and being raised in a small town and getting outside and hiking and biking. I, I That was more so my upbringing. It was less with technology. It was more outdoorsy because of the nature out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then over time, we moved to Vancouver because of the opportunities in terms of uh, there's no, I think there might be one college out there. So we were all going to be going to university and school. And so my parents uh, came down for that reason. Yeah. What was a... what was your parents' parenting style like? Like, I always give the example. My my parents were kind of, at least my dad especially was, you, you can do whatever you want. As long as you do well in school, the rest is gravy, you know? Yeah. And that was kind of their approach to me. What, what were your parents' like big parenting styles that you can identify? I feel like any Indian person could probably relate to you. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Get your good grades, get straight A's, you know, put your head in the books. Um, but at the same time, I feel like they really um, encourage extracurricular activities. And that's where I would do dancing and play sports and whatever we wanted to do. I even learned how to figure skate. Um, growing, Yeah. <laughs> and, and growing up also... Um, we were pretty involved with the Sikh community, so I learned how to play the harmonium. I can play the tabla. I learned know how to uh, read Gurbani. Like so, yeah I, yeah. I learned that all as well. Super cool. Yeah, so they they did want us to be still rooted with India in a way and Indian culture. So they, despite being in a you know very minority, we were big minor minor minorities in. Uh, in Prince Rupert, they still wanted to expose us to our culture as well. For sure. Yeah. So what would you say, like, one of the biggest life lessons that you've learned from your parents? They've always encouraged me to do what I want and, you know, to really go hard, like, put your heart into it, put your soul into it. Uh, Whatever you want in life, you're going to have to work for it. And I feel like when you have parents that are immigrated and work you know, such long hours and are trying to provide for the kid. They also want their, to see their kid's happiness and to, you know, fulfill their dreams. So they always, I was very blessed like that. So even though, I mean, I got, I was getting my grades too, right? Like at the end of the day, yeah. I was really studying hard. Um, but they also gave me that space to find my passion and encouraged me and gave me tips to really work hard at whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. Now, were there a lot of were there a lot of other Indians, Punjabi Sikhs in that neighborhood you're growing up in, or were you kind of a minority? 
in my school, in primary school, there were only three, four Indian kids. So that that could give you an That's example. Like, like grades one through six, you mean? or, or uh, Grades or one through seven. Yeah. Like there wow. were, and per grade, I would say there was just a couple of kids. And uh, the population, I believe at the time, uh, was around 400 families. That's it. <laughs> That's what you would see at a rece- half a reception party. These days, people have a thousand yeah, people. Yeah. So imagine like a <laughs> thousand real. person re- wedding reception, but it's only half. And that's the maximum amount of desis that were in Prince Rupert. <laughs> wow. So so when did you realize your, your up, like family life or in your upbringing itself compared to your neighbors was different? I feel like I always still fit in I mean they were actually pretty accepting at that point in time I've uh, racism is wasn't that big I think my parents endured that but I don't feel like we had to and so I felt like any other kid but then being exposed to like Gurmat camps and learning Punjabi and Gurbani and that sort of thing I feel like maybe that set me apart but then that I felt was like almost like an extracurricular of learning all these things and they were intrigued. I, I feel like the non-brown kids were intrigued by the different things that we would do. And then, of course, like we'd get have our get-togethers at our house and jam out to, you know, Punjabi music and all the kids would be <laughs> dancing. They just, they loved it. That's awesome. So, like, uh, any traditions, like, that you would do within your family that you thought were totally normal, uh, but, like, later realized that they weren't? And they were like specific to your culture? You know what? I actually do not have many experiences like that. I I feel like because of being in Prince Rupert um, and them just adapting to Western culture, I don't come from a typical family. I feel like they adapted quite fast. And that's why I think I was able to pursue my career as hard as I did because it wasn't so typical. So I can't, I I feel like I don't have those funny stories that I see on, you know, memes on Surrey memes or whatever you say where, you know, where they're cooking up something or they're doing weird things. And um, because I I did have more of a religious upbringing um, and it kind of contradicts superstitions, we didn't have as much of like, the cultural superstitions of doing things. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I forgot. Did you mention, do you have any siblings or is it just you? I do. I have two older sisters and one younger brother. So we're four kids. Yeah. And are you guys close? Keep in touch? 100%. I'm actually very family oriented. I spend a lot of time with my family. I now have nieces and nephews. In fact, I, I feel like I was posting them so much that people thought I had three kids. One sister has three kids. And um, yeah, it was really funny because people were thinking I had three kids. And my sister had just delivered her third child, um, ba- like a baby girl, Megan's her name. And I remember I was going on tour to Australia. Yeah. And when I landed in Sydney, the promoters had a big bouquet. And I thought that was kind of normal. I mean, sometimes I arrive and they have gifts and flowers for me. Uh, but then yeah. she gave me this gift basket. And she's like, oh, my God, congratulations on your baby girl. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, 
that's my niece and she's only like two, I think she was only two months old at the time I'm like yeah I just left my baby at home yeah it was crazy <laughs> that's so me and Silver were kind of having the same conversation we we're like looking through your Instagram page I'm like oh I think she might have some kids quietly like she's not trying to right? and then we figured out that's your nieces or nephews but it took us a minute and I always think, and I think people are always embarrassed to ask about like where the guy is. And I'm like, where's like those aren't my kids. And if I was, I would be like, I never post like the husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, okay, that's funny that you thought that as well. So trust me, you're not the only one, and they were also not the only promoters that thought that. Um, it's happened multiple times. <laughs> And they're like, you're such a go-getter. You have three kids and it's amazing what you're doing. And I'm like, you know what? I can't take full credit. Those are my nieces and nephews. I'm allowed to give them back when I want. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the best? Like we're, uh, I like, I'm a, I, I forget how many nieces. I have a lot of nieces and nephews at this point. But it's, but it's awesome being like an uncle or an aunt because you get to like have the most fun with them, but you don't deal with all like the dirty diapers, the crying, the tantrums. <laughs> like, oh, okay, mom and dad are back. <laughs> spoil them i remember i mean they they have like starbucks hot chocolate and i i I guess every time they would hang out with me i'd be like let's go to starbucks and they got so used to it so one day my mom was looking after the kids and they're like we want hot chocolate and she's like i'll make it for you and they're like no we want starbucks (laughs) she's like oh and then the desi came out from my mom and she's like oh let let me know (laughs) it's like yeah so you get to spoil them for sure that's the best role to play so jessica like with with travel right you just like kind of threw out there i was on tour in australia which i think is a huge deal uh which is awesome so a lot of traveling doing shows um and then you also mentioned that family life is super important how do you balance that like being on the road so much being in different cities but also being so close to your nieces and nephews um how, how do you balance that I feel like when I'm not on tour, or I'm not traveling for gigs, I do try to maximize my time with them while I'm off tours. So I really try to balance that time and really dedicate it to them and to my siblings and parents. And um, it, it does get a little bit hectic when it's back to back. And uh, even right now, I went to DC last weekend and then I'm going again uh, this weekend and I have two shows the same day. So it's definitely music crunch time. So, you know, obviously I wasn't really able to see them within this week. And yeah. and so it, it is hard for me, but at the same time, it comes with that sacrifice but it's nice because they understand also. And I do go above and beyond for them when I'm back. So they see that as well. The Starbucks hot chocolate comes. Yes. Yeah. Then I just spoil them when I'm back. I'm like, oh, what do you want? (laughs) Anything for you. Does your family come to your shows? Like if it's nearby? Yeah. um, Actually. uh, Yeah. Like they'll come to some of them. Um, I've, feel like I do try to invite them uh, so my sister will join if it's more like a club gig. I've even invited my mom out. In fact, New Year's Eve at a show in New York, New Jersey, and I, I flew my mom with me. Um, so I'm normally, I normally travel with somebody always normally, my makeup artist or hairstylist. And uh, this time I, I took my mom and she had such a blast, such a blast. She was treated so well. And she's like, no wonder you you don't want to be home and you want to be on tour. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, if I was treated like this, I would never come back. 
Was that our first time traveling with you for a gig? Yes, that was. That was actually the first one. Oh my god. Her mind must have been like blown. Very special. I mean, she got to travel business class. We sat in the lounge. You know, she had her own room when she was there. I'm like, okay, you get your own room. Okay, I'll see you (laughs) after I work on music. So it kind of gave us that space and just kind of a vacation for her too. I mean, our parents have worked so hard. So it's it's nice to give back. And, you know, I I come from a very middle class family, you know, traveling business and flying your parents like that with this really cool you know in a very cool way um it it feels good it feels good to give back i feel like that's something that resonates with a lot of first gen people because we all have similar stories with our parents of how much they like sacrificed didn't have like the same lifestyle at all that we do because all they did was work and try to give us the best opportunity so it's a it's a really good feeling when you reach a place in your life when you can give back to them and like allow them to enjoy the fruits of their labor so that that's awesome to hear hundred percent. And I feel like our parents don't really treat themselves. I I think it's just with the Indian parent thing. It's typical. They will not buy things for themselves. I don't know if your parents are like that. Mine are like just to buy something small. And I'm like, okay, like it's fine. Uh, They won't splurge on themselves at all. My my mom will still go crazy when like eggplant is on sale at a grocery store. She'll be like, "Oh, we gotta go get eggplant for the next three weeks." I'm like, exactly. "Are we planning on having anything else, or is that like it?" I uh, love Bengen, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I actually get my mom to make that sometimes when I'm pre-tour prepping and I'm trying to eat healthy. Yeah. I get her to make a grille and Bengen. <laughs> right. The Panda family used to take trips to to the grocery store when the when butter or milk was on sale and there's <laughs> yeah. like a limit yes. for a customer so you'd be like all right everyone we're making a trip <laughs> yeah that's 100 percent. and over here we're right by the border so people would just drive across to america's costco and and buy it from there because it would be cheaper i i've never done that but definitely parents have for sure and i'm like why that's like so much time i really value times so. yeah yeah that's like the trade-off that isn't considered there and that yeah. Yeah. Like, i'm like, like i'll pay the, the extra dollar even per item <laughs> yeah that's hilarious. Um, do you do you have family in India still, or is everyone kind of in the states or elsewhere? I feel like they've spread out now, but we mm-hmm. did have a lot of family growing up. So we went back and forth between India and here since I was a child. So every few years, we'd be off to India. We'd go to the village. We'd spend a lot of time in Punjab and. I think that's part of the reason I'm so attached to India was with that sort of upbringing and also having the traveling bug thanks to them because we'd be traveling super often out that way. And yeah. I grew up seeing my cousins and my thayas, my uncles, aunts, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, it was really nice. And um, now I feel like they've dispersed. They're, in all, they're all over the place. I feel like every city I visit, I have relatives. So when I'm touring, even in D.C., I have relatives in like Virginia, New Jersey, L.A., every, like every yeah. place I've gone, Australia, like <laughs> they're <laughs> everywhere, awesome. even Germany. <laughs> Do you have to, like, make it a priority to go see them? Or, like, how, how do you manage that? Because if I'm in a town where I have family and I don't see them, 
I'm not going to hear the end of it. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is, is I can't even lie. You know how people go to a city and are like, you know what? I'm not even going to tell them. I'm going to show up. I'm going to yeah. go to the city and visit secretly. I can't. I'm all over flyers. They know I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I will uh, most of the time for like Australia, for instance, I had four shows in seven days and there was an I believe Sydney and Melbourne, I had relatives and there was just no time for me to leave the hotel. And it was just kind of like you arrive, it's sound check, it's gig, it's next year you're off on a flight to the next city. It was pretty hectic. So I would invite my relatives over. I'd be like, okay, come to the hotel. I can meet you for like half an hour for coffee, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, And they did, they did because we are very, very close. So it's been nice uh, because relatives will come, come see me. Uh, right before my shows and if they want to join in then they'll come support yeah that's awesome what's uh what's their perception of kind of you your career this really cool unique image that you have like what have they conveyed any of that does that ever come up you know what growing uh, not growing up but like when I started off as a DJ I feel like there was definitely a little bit of judgment, the typical desi judgment of saying like, okay, your daughter to my dad is, you know, she has a science degree, but she's doing arts. It was like a little bit, I could feel the look down on it. But then as I started to become established and started traveling and, you know, you have certain celebrities that you can just like pick up a call, FaceTime and be like, hey, can you say hi to my relative for me? (laughs) Definitely gained some clout, I would say. And and now they've come around and they see that. And and as other people are like, oh my God, are you related to her? Now they name drop. Now they name drop. (laughs) Now, now Now they're proud to show you off. Now they're proud. And that happened with a lot of my friends from high school. Uh, Their parents, I did, I'm not trying to boast, but I would win quite a few awards. You know, like how you have the physics award and then you have the math award. And so whenever it came time for me to go on stage and they announce all the awards, they're like just listing them off. And my friends always say this till date and they're like, oh my God, my parents used to hate me and couldn't you be like Jessica? Like, you know, look at her getting all these awards and like, you know, you should be like her. And then it was crazy because the moment I finished university and went into DJing and I would go to visit them, it was definitely, you know, change in their vibe and change of... Lack of res- I felt like my respect like got taken away from me, everything, but you know, they looked up to. But then again, over time, as they saw me um, touring and traveling, and it's like, oh, where's Jessica? Oh, she's gone here. She's gone there. Um, it, it, yeah, it, I started to get my respect. I feel like... I, 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 sorry, go ahead, Summer. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, I have to say this, but this like reminds me of Raj growing up because like whenever there'd be sleepovers or anything this guy would come with books and like want to read <laughs> <laughs> and, and then all the parents would be like Raj he's reading look at him he's such a good boy <laughs> right there's always that token smart kid that your parents luckily we were I guess Raj it felt good to be on the other side like it felt good to yeah. be you know yeah. compared to in a good way it, it was fun while it lasted <laughs> It was, right? Exactly. (laughs) But it's interesting that you say that. I feel like every guest or every person we've talked to who's done something quote unquote atypical from like, you know, the standard Indian path, there's always these infliction points for like, 
you know, people being like, oh, judgmental or weary of their choices and being like, this isn't right. And then, you know, certain things happen and then, then there's more acceptance and then another thing happens and there's more acceptance. And finally, like that barrier breaks. Uh, like our last our last guest was my was our friend um, South Aledi, but in brief he was like a congressman staffer, senator staffer, and I was like a big corporate lobbyist. But like his family had no idea what he was doing. He similarly skipped the med school route. He was supposed to go into medicine, decided not to do that, go into politics, and like what's this guy doing? And then the big infliction point for him was like when Narendra Modi came to the States, like he was invited with his congressman to go see him. So there's like this big picture and like his house, all his relatives house. And they're like, Oh oh shit. Like this guy's like gotten Narendra Modi like that. Okay. He's doing something right. Some big stuff. Right. I could only imagine the satisfaction he probably felt. It is pretty satisfying when people come around and, and then they, then they want to know you and give you praise. For sure. For sure. Well, well earned though. Well earned. Well earned. (laughs) Yeah, it does take a lot of time. It's not an overnight thing for sure. So uh, I I, I know we, we touched on this a little bit, but when, when that like 4.0 student pre-med aspirations, uh, like in line to go to medical school, um, I can only imagine how proud your parents are excited they were to have a doctor in the house. Um, and then, (laughs) And then you kind of got into the arts, right? Producing, uh, DJ. Um, what prompted that change? I, I know you kind of fell into it, but what, did you have like an inclination of like, hey, this is something I want to do? Or was it truly something you just kind of came across and, and leaned into it? It literally was uh, the journey that I spoke about where I I felt like sciences wasn't something that I was super passionate about. I feel like it was something that I was good at. I was good at studying, to be honest with you. I wasn't just a naturally smart girl. I was the person that actually like had to lock myself in my room and memorize things and then regurgitate it on paper. So I was a great memorizer. I had picture memory. I would just put it in my head and dump it on the paper and out I got, like I, out I would go, you know, organic yeah. chemistry. If you ask me anything, you know, biochemistry, there's no way I'll remember things. In fact, sometimes I'm embarrassed to not know some basic biological questions. And, and I'm like, okay, you have a degree here, right? Um, so I was good yeah. at that. Um, but I w- really didn't feel that inner passion, something that you're working so hard for and you get that reward, that that feeling. And uh, that's when I went to, you know, the UK and I came back and the acting production and met the DJ, went into um, uh, music. And it was as I was doing it that it, it felt right. It felt it felt rewarding. I felt like yeah. this is what I was meant to do. And in retrospect, when I look at all my upbringing, I'm like, okay, I, wa- I was watching Bollywood movies all my life. I was taught how to play the harmonium. I was taught how to play tabla. I was a Bollywood dancer. Okay, so it's like all these things. I really believe in law of attraction. I feel like those were kind of what you would call omens if you look back and you're like, oh my God, I was being mm-hmm. groomed to be this. I just never, ever saw the signs. I don't know if that makes sense. It's pretty deep. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's like... all, all the stars were there, and then finally you can look back and like, okay, everything was like aligning towards this moment in my life ultimately, and this is like just... where I was intended to go and be. 
And had I expected it? No. So you asked me, like, did I have an inkling? Not at all. There was no way. All even throughout university, if you ever asked me, am I going to be in entertainment? I would have said, I absolutely love it. It's, um, I love Bollywood music. I love Bollywood dancing. But do I see myself as a DJ one day touring India and (laughs) brushing shoulders with Bollywood actors and actresses like and being followed by some I would I would never I'd be like you're you're out of your mind the the path from the path from DD to DJ it's very seldom taken and you're you're the only one I know that's made that transition (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah. and my I myself had no idea so I don't know how anybody else would have that inkling at all (laughs) what what was your uh what was your parents reaction when you finally told them like i'm pivoting you know like i'm not gonna do this whole medicine thing um i'm just gonna be a dj or go into the creatives what what was their reaction to that so once i got my degrees i I think they really thought okay she has the grades for it she's studious 100 percent, she's gonna be a doctor uh but when i asked for that you know that year gap for that that year gap became two years gap and that two years became three. And I was like, oh, I'm still figuring it out. And at this point I was doing film production, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm getting yeah. closer to what I want to do. Then that three became four and I was a DJ at that point. And they're like, okay, still kind of, you know, cause the financial stability, the life stability isn't there, sure. you know, especially when you're first starting out with zero contacts in the entertainment industry, right? But when my dad saw that I was very serious about it, that's when he shifted gears and he was like, okay, you know what? Okay, if this is what you want to do, you got to pursue it hard. Like, okay, let's do this. How can we support you? How can I morally, like financially even? And we were still middle class. And I I remember like my first trip to India and I was like, I barely had money in my bank account. And I was like, no, I got this. I don't know where I'm going to stay. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that trip ended up being so epic I ended up booking tours through just having that entrepreneurial mindset I feel like that served me well so I was even reaching out to people in Dubai India and I'm like okay female DJ coming through do you guys want to book a tour and it was all of a sudden like oh my gosh this foreign female Indian DJ is coming will we want to jump on this tour (laughs) so so my first tour I ended up booking five cities I went to Hyderabad Jandigarh Mumbai Delhi I even went to Dubai it was insane and it was just through like okay I'm gonna manage myself let me just shoot an an email you know and yeah and then it just kept rolling that's That's amazing amazing. then when you come back (laughs) yeah and then when you come back from you know, being international now, then then you yeah. get then you get the Canadian and North Americans being like, oh my God, she's an Indian female DJ, and then yeah, yeah before I knew it, I was international. I'm like, okay, let's roll with this. So your first actual tour was international, is is that correct? correct yeah, then? it was. My first <laughs> very first gig was actually in Calgary, and that's because I executive produced a music video for Raghav. Do you remember Raghav? The OG of pop, Indian pop music. So he actually gave me my first break. That was my very first gig. It was New Year's Eve. Shout out Raghav. (laughs) Exactly. 100%. And he he knew I was like practicing how to be a DJ. I was literally a bedroom DJ. I would just spend hours. I bought the equipment and everything. I just would practice in my bedroom. And he's like, I heard you're... uh, 
DJing now? And I was like, yeah, uh, I am. And he's like, well, how do you feel about doing a New Year's Eve show with us? And uh, I'm like, are you sure? I've just kind of, and he's like, well, you just got to press play when you're with a, you know, singer, <laughs> really. And I'm like, uh, are you sure? Like, I'm and um, so I just went with it and I said yes. And so I went to Calgary. It was streamed all over, like nationally, all over Canada. And they were, it was a dual sort of New Year's Eve celebration between um, Toronto and Calgary. So it was definitely a lot of pressure. And that was my first gig. <laughs> that's awesome. I feel like everyone that I know that's taken a gap year at some point during the path to medicine has never looked back. Like you're the third person, three out of our four guests, or all three of our guests at this point have all taken a gap year at this some point in the path to no, medicine really. and then found something they were really passionate about and never looked back. And every time I sit here and think, I'm like, God, I fucking should have taken a gap year. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love what I do now, but the path to there is like so arduous. And, you know, I'm like you where I did. I played sports. I like I, I still like dabble in rap and like to do stuff. To that, do stuff there that, you like, go. That I was side. even going to say maybe you would have been a rap star and there you have it. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? That critical gap year just barely eluded me somehow, I guess. Oh, I guess. <laughs> Well, at least you're an established doctor, so we do need doctors around. Yeah, you know, yeah. someone, no, we I'm, do I'm need not, doctors. I'm not saying that to complain or sound bitter, but, you know, just hearing that story always makes me think. Oh, no. I, I can't believe, and they were all um, predestined, or they were planning to do um, medicine, not even law or... All, med- all medicine. All medicine, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Jessica, if you're ever in the states and you need it and you need an opening act, you need to pay it forward like Raghav did for you for and you. get Raj. There get you Raj. go, <laughs> rapper Raj, Raj in the stage. house. <laughs> I like that. There we go. Oh, uh, <laughs> and so, you're in Austin, right? Uh, I've been to Dallas and Houston. I went to Houston for the first time. Uh, just to, I guess a month ago, two months ago, it was my first time there. And then Dallas, I've done a few shows. So I've been in the Texas area. I just haven't hit up Austin. But yeah, maybe we'll have to fly you into or drive into Houston or Dallas and have you open up. Love it. Bet. If that show's happening, I'm flying in. So just keep going. There you go. (laughs) We'll have to throw you in there somewhere too. I, I'm a great hype man. I mean, get me up there. I'll keep the energy going. Hundred percent. I could use a hype man. I'll give you the mic. Just cut. No, no cut the mic off. I don't need the mic. I, I, oh, I'll jump around. Oh, the <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, what's it like uh, in the music industry? Like being a minority, like a Indian DJ in, in this field. Um, what are some of those challenges that you've had to face? And, and being a female on top of that. Yeah. I think I can um, speak on the female perspective for sure. I feel like the minority, I, I did enter the Bollywood Punjabi industry first. So I feel like the minority didn't apply as True. much. But on the sure. female side, for sure, I, I felt like when I first entered, it was definitely a lot of, oh, well, she got a gig because she's a female when I would be chosen to headline certain gigs. And that was very, very frustrating because it's it basically means you're talentless and I would work so hard on, you know, spinning and, you know, practicing in my bedroom how to spin and just hours and hours of just 
you know, downtime in my room just practicing. Uh, so I felt like it was quite demeaning in a way and just kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, but then as I started booking more and more shows and the same promoters bringing me back, it was then something that I now say in interviews. I mean, there's a gazillion good looking girls. There's a lot of DJs. But in order to be booked by the same promoters, you definitely have to have that talent. Otherwise, they would just move on to the next. Uh, and mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to stick to that and yeah, like being a female, I feel like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe that's how the industry rolls. Um, But at the same time, having talent is proven when you're, you're booked multiple times with the same promoters. Yeah. How how did you navigate that mentally? Like, I can only imagine like when you're first starting off, and you know, you hear or see those comments, like, oh, it's just because she's female, or oh, it's just because she's a novelty and just kind of brushing the whole talent component of it under the rug. How do you how do you navigate that? I feel like you have to work on yourself mentally for sure and just kind of rationalize it. Okay, people are saying this thing. Am I going to take it to heart or am I going to work harder to prove myself? And so I would work harder. And I'm someone that if someone says something, typically I um, revenge is definitely in my success. So I'll push harder to be successful. And that's always been my motto. My friends know that anytime I'm pissed off or upset, it's actually a great quality. Rather than, you know, hit back, I will just go harder. They actually motivate me. Haters motivate me to push harder. I actually have to thank them for for where I am. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that. And uh, yeah, you just kind of have to have a thick skin i mean at first i'm not gonna lie when you know people even in the film industry i remember i didn't even have a boyfriend like uh, by the way yeah no boyfriend all throughout we, we won't really talk about my personal relationships but i will tell you this high school and university i never had a boyfriend so i was that studios and people when i entered the film industry um, I, I had never even had my first kiss and people were like, she slept her way into Bollywood and so many yeah. rumors were spewing and I yeah. cried and I cried. I called my sister and she's like, girl, if you are going to enter this industry, you have to garner a thick skin. And I think from that moment, I brushed off my shoulders and I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. There is going to be people that say all sorts of things. I've even had guys say like another actually a co-DJ once on a show was like, oh, she doesn't DJ live. And my DJ set was completely live. And so it was when when that happens, you know the truth, right? So yeah. you just kind of have to brush it off. I did call them out on it and they apologized later. <laughs> so so some battles you pick and choose, right? And I think there's always something to be said for when you reach a point or a pinnacle in your life where people are commenting negatively on you or spewing bad energy. It also reflects that, all right, you've like, you've reached a point where, you know, there's, you've garnered some negativity and that's like kind of the uh, underbelly of it, but it means something in a good way also. Well, I I take it this way that it's yin and yang, right? There is hate and love, there's sun and moon, there's darkness, there's light, right? Everything is balanced. And someone once told me this, that no matter how much you're loved, you you are going to get that get that hate. You look at some of the biggest celebrities, there is that many negative comments than there are positive. It's what we kind of put our attention to and 
if we're we can be negatively affected by the negative but that's where you need the thick skin and be like okay you know what it's a yin and yang situation it means i'm rising the haters are on the rise but that's okay we're equally as loved right and we do it yeah. for the people that you love that motivate you i have so many and yeah like i have so many people that may follow me on youtube and yeah there might be some negative comments but i look i try to look at the positive comments I occasionally slap back though, because so you might see that. Okay, <laughs> I occasionally slap back. Yeah. You, you, sh- you shake the tree too much, a leopard might fall out once in a while. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've known so, to respond so there- sometimes when I when I don't like it. My sister always says, "Just like just leave it alone," and I'm like, "You know what? We're not robots." Also, I feel like we are human, and sure. you know sometimes it's inappropriate to say certain things, and if we don't call out the negative, then then sometimes it will just keep rising, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. All right. So there's a saying, uh, don't let Hollywood ruin you. And in your case, Bollywood. Um, how do you stay true to yourself? My family humbles me. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, there is no DJ goddess <laughs> anywhere. There, the moment that I enter the house, it's like... They, they will yeah they definitely humble me so I, I feel like if you surround yourself with family and friends uh that ground you have good morals and principles and live you know their life lives honorably I feel like that then brushes on you and keeps you humble as well so when I go on the road yeah there's this persona of DJ goddess but it's like just Jess at home and so that grounds me and because I spend so much time with them like I said I'm very family oriented I feel like that maintains the balance of that high paced you know all attention all eyes on you to then being with your family and yeah you're (laughs) yeah that's awesome what, what do you think are the biggest pitfalls for people like along the way that you've seen or you've heard of that, you know, when they don't have that grounding forces in their life, like what are their biggest pitfalls you feel like? Well, I've seen people that have gotten big quite quickly and sometimes it gets to their head and they're not really in touch with their families and they're out on the road and they're doing whatever they want to do. And it's just this excess, you know, of adrenaline and there's nothing to kind of compensate for that and I I definitely see that those stars then get into more of an arrogant space and they start falling off eventually and they fall as quickly as they rise there the fall is just as hard yeah I mean those are like the stories you hear about um so I know you said you're you primarily kind of started with your foot in Bollywood and that's that's Kind of to us especially, it's a foreign concept. We're not as familiar with it as we are as some of the things we hear about for Hollywood. What's it like conducting business with them being, you know, you're a comedian, you're, you're kind of outside to them. Um, what, are, what are some of the unique challenges or things that you have to deal with that, you know, the average person like me and Bubs wouldn't necessarily be privy to? Uh, sorry, I, I'm just a little bit confused by the question. Do you mind? Um... Yeah. What, what are some of like the challenges that are unique to doing business in Bollywood specifically, that someone like me and Bubs who aren't familiar with that world, um, what would what would some of those challenges be? 
I feel like, again, it, it resonates to being a female and trying to conduct business uh, with Bollywood. Um, I, I know that as a film producer, when I went, uh, I was still actually an intern, but I was doing production level things. And I ended up brushing shoulders with Garn Johars, uh, the late Subash guy, um, some major, major players in film. And I remember when they wanted to meet, they kind of looked at me like an actress and yeah. it was in a different manner and the moment that I said hey I work for a special effects Hollywood studio instantly I could see the shift in how they treated me and it was like instant respect and so luckily that's what I just told every producer and director that I would meet I would not <laughs> even say and at that point I wasn't a DJ uh -huh. but I feel like the same thing applies um, yeah. It's just a matter of how you carry yourself and especially being a female, you definitely, you have to be more careful with how you yeah. carry yourself. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. And that actually lends itself very well to like this next question. One of the things that stands out most when I was scrolling through your Instagram and we were going through that is you have this very dope and incredibly unique style. It's bold, it's feminine, it's Bollywood, it's Western. And you can definitely tell that you draw a lot of inspiration from all these components of your life. What's kind of the inspiration behind your style and your image? Thanks. That's such a huge compliment. I, I'm not used <laughs> to having it. I know I've been getting a lot of compliments recently, so I must be doing something right. Uh, in fact, growing up, I was such a tomboy. Uh, I would wear basketball <laughs> shorts up to my knees. I still wear them. Okay, we'll talk about that as well, but I still wear them. So I, if you meet me, that's probably why I don't have the video on. I'm definitely in like you know ballin clothes like just sweatpants you know t-shirt and that is me almost 95% of the time but I feel like with DJ goddess I, I don't know I felt like I wanted to encompass goddess so I would just start you know like I I would find different fashion inspo and started dressing myself and I guess I'm doing something right again I didn't it wasn't it was almost by accident that this happened that now all of a sudden it's this pressure that, oh, what is she going to wear at her next gig? I didn't expect that to ever happen. People want to know what my nails look like, what, you know, what color my hair is going to be the next show. Uh, yeah. What, how's it going to be styled? That was something that just came along the way. I would have never expected that. I do have to thank my eldest sister and she's going to love this when she hears this podcast as I do owe a lot to her because when I was in the UK, uh, I was living with her when I was kind of discovering myself and watching these musicals. And I remember I was leaving the house one day and I was wearing these like, you know, those long silver metallic Nike shorts that people would wear in basketball games. Like they're yep, metallic. Yeah, the metallic silver shorts with the Nike suit. Yeah. Um, I was trying to get out of the house with that. And she's like, are you insane? Go back up and change right now. You're in London, the most fashion, like most fashionable capital of the world. And you're planning to step out in basketball shorts. And I kid you not, we got into the biggest argument, the biggest. And I was like, this is me. This is how I'm going to exit the house. And then she's like, you, and then. And those fights led on to more. Finally, I changed and I, w I wore like, you know, a skirt or something, found something in the closet. <laughs> and then I would never wear makeup. Just like, let me just put on eyeliner. Let me just put on mascara. Just one thing. I, again, it was that fight of being in London in this fashionable yeah. city. Uh, 
And in fact, Vancouver is labeled one of the worst dress cities. I don't know if you knew that. And it's and it's no. because of Lululemon. No Have you heard of Lululemon? It's the yoga pants yeah. that girls wear, mm-hmm. that guys like. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. so, I mean, we are yeah. labeled the worst dress because of that. But I, I feel like it's crazy that you say I'm stylish because that was kind of where I started from and then started dressing better. And I think London was when I kind of made the transition to start dressing better and uh, oh my eldest sister for positive fashion influence and makeup and yeah oh damn shout out what's your sister's name selena well shout out elena that's clutch selena Selena. oh selena my bad i miss her that shout out selena she'll love that (laughs) so jessica um one thing like i always think about too um I, i bring it up to raj all the time is like whenever he does decide to take music seriously and he goes on tour, I'm probably gonna like hitch hitch a ride and go on tour with him, uh, and just because like I want to be a part of that experience. Do you have any friends that like join you on tour or like are a part of that journey with you? Sorry, that are oh the ones that want to like hop onto the band. Yeah, I just want to go. Like my buddy is like on tour. I want to go be a part of it. Like, do you have friends that just join you? Yeah, hundred percent. I've had friends join me all the way in the Middle East. I've DJed Qatar. I had a friend that joined me in Qatar and Dubai, Mumbai. Um, and especially as my career grew, it went from like one plane ticket to a second plane ticket. And, um, then I just started taking whoever I'd be like, Hey, you want to go on a trip? Girls trip? Let's go. And they would just hop on board. So So I've taken multiple friends with me. Uh, Selena was actually on tour quite a bit when I was starting off. Like she would just join me. She's been to Dubai as well for one of my Actually, my first Dubai gig, she was there for, and she had a blast. Um, she got married, and then she had a child, and it got a little bit more difficult to be yeah. touring. Just picking up and leaving becomes a lot more difficult. Um, yeah, but yeah. she used to join me. I-, I feel like she joined me most of the time. That's so cool. Friends do want to join in. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah. It's, it's a, And plus, you're a DJ, right? So it's a party where you're going to go yeah. and everything's taken care of. It's easy peasy. You just hop on a plane and let's go. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the list of what's that called when every artist sends like their list? Rider? Yeah. What, what's like what's like the most unique thing on your rider? Uh, you know, <laughs> I do have goose on it. I do have gray goose on it. Okay. And I also from time to time, depending if I'm being healthy or not, I remember once I was on a diet, so I'd ask for a fruit basket and yeah, it was provided. Uh I do have an addiction to chocolate almonds. It's it's weirdly like obsessive. Like I can go through bags and bags of chocolate almonds so it cannot be in the house they'll be gone no matter how big the bag is so uh, yeah. I know when I was touring at first I would just throw it into my contract now it's not I'm like okay you know what <laughs> we can't uh, but yeah those were some of my contractual um, things in my rider yeah that's funny um, what what I mean you know again we've been listening to a, a lot of your music since we've been planning this what are some of your biggest musical influences for your style um, I think I've got influences from several different areas, but I mean, with the EDM and house, I, I'm a big fan of Afrojack. DJ Snake is my 
probably my top okay. most inspiration because he has such a variety of music from EDM to house to pop. Like just, it's amazing from, you go from like lean on, you know, it, he has such yeah. a variety and he's worked with so many different artists as well. Uh, I feel like he's one of my biggest inspirations uh, when it comes to EDM and house. Uh, if you look into the Punjabi industry, I feel like Honey Singh was one of the OGs of the rap game and it became huge and his beats were unique. Uh, Imran Khan, you know, we'll never forget his unforgettable album. We need another album. But, uh, yeah. you know, just I love that they kind of had the Western music, but with the Desi touch to it. Right. Yep. Yep. So. I was just telling you, but I was, you know, at Coachella last weekend and two comments that I want to make and then hear your thoughts on. Number one, I saw a bunch of, you know, EDM dance DJs like Flume, Disclosure, Swedish House Mafia. And one of the things I'm not, that's not like my go-to genre per se, but one of the things I really appreciated was number one, just the huge production for their visuals. Like they were just amazing what they would do for their sets in terms of just like on the screens and display. And then the other thing was, I'm just curious because it, it was interesting to see what an impact it had culturally, individually on everyone that was gathered there. Like, you know, there were people in tears. You could tell they were very euphoric just to like be listening to like some of their favorite DJs and artists. What do you feel like music means to like your fans or like people that really love it and enjoy it? I think people want something that they can relate to. And that's what's beautiful about music. Music is universal. Uh, everybody listens to music. And and obviously, people have their different preferences. But that being said, an example is um, my best friend and I, we went to Vegas. And we had a third girlfriend that was with us as well. And um, she didn't really know much about house and EDM. And I'm like, you need to listen to this genre. And this is when I started DJing. And I'm like, you need to... Uh, you need to come we went to Hakkasan and the mm -hmm. rehab was playing at the time and I'm like okay just like listen listen okay like because it was I wanted her to feel what I felt with house and EDM yeah. music you're taking someone who doesn't listen to house and EDM and you're like okay you gotta listen to this and I would take her through especially with EDM it pumps you up and then the drop and then everyone's going crazy it's a journey I feel like it's a yeah. complete journey and um, and it was crazy. So as the songs are passing by, you know, most people are getting drunk and they're partying. And I'm just like, here, look, like, listen to the music. And she started to feel it. She started to get it. She started to understand where the drops happen and the crowd just went wild. And after that, she's like, oh, my God, that style of music. And she started loving it and it started, you know, she started to listen to it on her own and appreciate yeah. it. And I feel like that's our goal as a DJ is that whatever you're spinning, you want people to feel what you feel, right? It, it's definitely, yeah. and, and it's a journey for sure. Um, you're taking them through their emotions. It is, even with EDM and House where there's no vocals for some, some of the tracks, right? You still feel things. And so with, and especially with having vocals, people can then relate to them. Think about like senti music. I, I, I DJ a lot of, you might have noticed, I, I DJ a lot of uh, senti music with EDM house. So people, it might be a sad song, but it's like a happy beat. 
And you would think people would get confused, but no, they're dancing and they're singing Bewafa at the top of their lungs, right? It, it's definitely, you, you kind of run their emotions in a way. It is a lot of power to be a DJ. Yeah, that's got to be awesome being able to like see the real-time responses to the people like when your beats drop or like a new track plays or you do it for the first time 100 bugs so is feeling it I, I, a- I can see him just <laughs> bobbing his head just listening to the music mm-hmm. yeah I, I get like so excited when i'm like when we're at a part or like any party and we're listening to spotify on someone's phone and then i pick a song it's like i know the drop is coming i get so excited to like start looking around the room who else is gonna feel <laughs> it and i can't yeah. imagine what you go through <laughs> You get it. And it's like we're feeding off the energy of the entire crowd. So you're you're feeling not just one person in your own energy. It's everybody kind of reciprocating that energy back a hundredfold, two hundredfold, three thousandfold, four thousand, depending yeah. on the number of people that are there. It's, it's, it's definitely an incredible high like that you just don't feel anywhere else. So. What advice do you have for someone looking to get into the music industry, um, specifically uh, first gen uh, or female? Uh, what kind of advice would you have for someone like that? If you have a passion for music, go for it. Plunge in, like I was saying. It's important to just jump in and learn along the way. Get started right away. I feel like you learn along the way. Um, you can't just like wait for the right timing or like I said earlier, people make a lot of excuses for not starting, but just start. Start with a course if it's something that you want to learn or get a mentor, get someone that can teach you. Um, I've spent hours in studio watching people produce music. I've spent hours watching people DJ. Uh, I've spent hours learning on my own, getting the equipment and just hands-on is the way that you learn music. You can't really learn music if you're not you know just by reading things you actually visually have to see it visually have to do it visually have to practice just like if you were to play the keyboard or the piano you need to be hands-on you can't just watch somebody just do it you need to kind of you can watch them and then you have to chime in and do it yourself right yeah um set goals of course i I feel like and those come along the way you can set your goals as you're already in it and be like okay this is where i want to take it this is what i want to be i'm a firm believer of vision boarding right like write things down and things will happen that's funny in my uh in my bathroom i have like a three by four whiteboard and it's uh, the title is 2022 vision and it's just like my goals for the year that, like every morning I have to look at whether I want to I want to, to see that board. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it later. It's nothing okay, it's, no, awesome. it's nothing like aesthetically pleasing like it's all black and white black okay. and white but it's just like there for me to look at every day and that's something that I've like come to appreciate more so like sometimes you have these thoughts and if you're not having a constant reminder of it it's very easy for them to become like secondary or tertiary priorities if you're not you know don't actively have something reminding you of your goals. and I mean writing it not having something aesthetically pleasing it doesn't matter what you did was think about it and you did it you wrote it out right like sometimes it's okay to write it on a paper but of course you want to be able to see it as a reminder the vision board actually reminded me I was once in India I was between touring and I was obviously like I was having a low moment and we obviously go through highs we go through lows and I was having a low moment 
and I was staying in a flat with it was like four bedrooms I had the whole place to myself and I ran into one of the owners uh, outside uh, it was a couple that lived across and it was their their flat and um, he's a dear friend of mine and he was like you know what what's wrong I was sulking as I was walking towards my condo and mm-hmm. he's like you know what you need to write this out write your goals out reoriented because I felt like I had reached a lot of goals that I had already written but I felt yeah. lost because I hadn't rewritten new goals so I went up he's like there's a whiteboard in one of the rooms just go there and write it out and I went out and I, I wrote everything out and uh, that condo was sometimes used as like an office space for his wife and uh, they would sometimes go to use the same whiteboard and they saw all my goals <laughs> written down and yeah. over the years it's crazy because they've even reached out very recently and they're like Jess you're smashing all the goals that you wrote down like it's insane we see it we we saw the vision board and you're killing each and every goal like it's happening and um it it felt really good like i even started my own makeup brand i had written this written this almost like five years ago i had written that i would start a cosmetics company and now i have mine i started it during covid and it's happening so cool do you, do you feel like you've, having now gone through that for the last decade, do you find that you have learned to appreciate the journey rather than the obtaining the actual goal itself? Like I was listening to a, I was listening to a Ed Sheeran podcast and he was like talking about that. And he said, one of my hugest goals in his career was playing at Wembley. And when he played it, he was like, it was nowhere as pivotal as I thought it'd be. And then he like went back and realized like it's, really a lot of it is just like appreciating the journey along the way to these huge milestones. Like, is that something you've felt? Totally agree with you. I think once people are in a field for a bit of time and, you know, they keep setting goals and they keep getting them. And then at some point you're right there. And I feel like I've felt this more now than I ever have because I had time to reflect during COVID I feel like you need time to kind of reflect backwards and you look at all the things that you did and you're like, oh my God, I wish I enjoyed that more because you're so stressed over achieving goals. We we live in a very, in a society where it's, we're so goal oriented, which is amazing. But at the same time, we're so focused on the goals that we're not focused on enjoying the process of attaining those goals. So I really yeah. uh, feel that that's, good feedback like what you said and it is true it is true i think that it's important to enjoy the journey enjoy the moments enjoy the cities that you're in i've been in so many cities and i would be stressed over the next city that i had to spin in and i'm like okay i didn't get to enjoy and soak in the moment and you know and that those are the moments that you're going to remember when you're you know 10 years down the road or five years down the road those are the moments that you want to be able to remember right you don't want to be you don't want to be so stressed out that you're missing the actual journey because you're always worried about the next like accomplishing the next goal yeah um uh so you you kind of mentioned this was one of your goals um on on your on, on that list that you had, but tell us a little bit more about Crown That Goddess and, and that movement you have going there. I uh, would love to learn a little bit more about that brand and, and how that's kind of let you bring out that inner entrepreneur that you've mentioned that you have within yourself. 
Thanks. Um, yeah, Crown That Goddess is actually very special to me. I, I started it along my journey while DJing and producing, and it was something on the side that was almost an outlet of just something to remind me. There's a lot of quote. It's all quotes, majority of it. And it was just to set reminders to myself. It was almost like journaling with quotes. So that's how it started. So in especially in my low moments, I would find a quote that I liked and I'd be like, okay, you know what? This resonates with me. And I'm going to write a little bit underneath, almost like a journal and kind of talking okay. to myself in a way to be like, keep your chin up. You're doing great. Like almost writing yourself motivational letters. So that's how it started. And then eventually, you know, along the way, I I felt like there wasn't a lot of women supporting women. And I wanted this to be a community and build a community of women supporting women and, and also be a page that motivates other women. So it kind of encapsulates a whole like range of things. But like one of them is you know, building a community. The second one is to motivate and inspire them, giving them a, like a safe place, really. And that's where I started Crown That Goddess. And then also to shed light on other females that are doing amazing things. So um, there's different females that have been spotlighted uh, on that page that are artists and pursuing unconventional career choices as well. So like it could be yeah. singers and makeup artists, it features a lot of people that at the time when I started, I feel like 10 years ago, DJing and uh, film production, it wasn't really encouraged, let's say, by the especially the Desi community. So it was something mm-hmm. that like I wanted to shed light on women that were doing all of that and not being acknowledged. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's it's you think about it, it's only been 10 years, but within that t- last decade span, like the transformation that like first gens, minorities, females have gone through and kind of that frame of mind of empowering one another, uh, you know, encouraging things that are atypical or creative or, you know, things that previously or historically we haven't been known to delve into as a community. I just feel like there's now, you know, there's so many people that I personally know or know of that are doing these sort of uh, offshoots. Um, so it's really cool to see kind of how quickly that landscape has changed for us. And I, I, I only think it's going to continue to grow. You're absolutely right. I, I feel like as I've gone through my career, I've seen such a big rise of, you know, women pursuing their passions and they've come a long way to be supported. And even guys like maybe, uh, like if your parents wanted to, you to be a doctor back then, maybe they'd be more open-minded to see you become something else. <laughs> a rapper, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been awesome to see. And I'm really glad that we're kind of like breaking that mold. Um, and I'm excited to see what, you know, our generation and the generation after us takes all this. It'll definitely be an easier road uh, in terms of, parents supporting their kids and like just uh, like more avenues to learn and with social media it can go both ways but I feel like another it's opened up such a big way to learn and be inspired and motivated and that sort of thing yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more um I know you touched on kind of some of your 
inspirations and things you did as a child you were a basketball phenom a dancer <laughs> what what, what te- uh, you were, uh, you were uh, i gotta look at your imdb page after this apparently so what, what, oh yeah what, what? i am on imdb <laughs> i believe the credits are there i i bet you would be i you would have to be what i what, haven't updated what those pictures in forever i don't i don't know the last time it's been updated <laughs> Well, the, the fact that it exists in and of itself, it says a lot. So that's super cool. Let that's me know what cool. you find. I would love to see it. <laughs> I will. What, what other talents of yours that you might have, you know, that you might not speak about or, you know, the general world might not know about? Oh my gosh, I've listed so many things. I think figure skating was one thing that people had no idea and like rollerblading. I mean, I, I have, think I've spoken about all the talents, the, the harmonium, the tabla, like reading Punjabi I don't know my friends were like what's left like what do you have I can snowboard like not very well though but (laughs) you're literally like a walking talent show (laughs) like I could just throw you up on a stage for an hour what is it jack of all trades master at none (laughs) yeah no I feel like for you it's uh, jack of all trades master of master of some maybe more than some Master, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I the the whole skating thing. I, I have a few Canadian friends, and they're like, they're all good at ice skating. I feel like that's, I feel like that's something y'all do before like learning how to ride a bike. Before they put you on two wheels, like, hey, get, <laughs> put these blades on and get around here. <laughs> but yeah, we're just gonna throw you onto the ice rink. It's funny, actually. My sister is doing that with her niece, my nieces and nephews. So it's hilarious. <laughs> They're already on skates. Megan's only two, and, like, I was trying to hold her, and, like, she's just... Yeah, she wanted to... Like, obviously, she, I can't let her go. She's only two. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. No, they love it. And, and that's another thing I get to do with the family. We, we're very active, so we get to do all these, like, cool things that I learned as a child. So I'm so grateful to my parents for that, for letting me do music and letting me go you know, take, putting me in figure skating lessons. I feel like a lot of parents are doing that for their kids now, but back then it wasn't super common. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, we're almost at the tail end here, and this is a question we ask all of our guests, but um, what makes you Indian? My parents are from India, born and raised, and growing up, I was going to India every like every few years and I felt like that really connected me um, to India and just even with my career back and forth back and forth I've actually spent more time in India than people that have immigrated here and gone back Uh, I was going so often touring um, every year for almost two three months I would stay out there and be touring all over India and Dubai so I feel like I'm very much Indian. I do have a very white accent when I speak in Punjabi, but other than that, I mean, I can I go there quite often. I I feel like I am of Indian blood for sure. And obviously, we say Indo-Canadian, being from you know born and raised in Canada, but I I definitely mm-hmm. feel like I have fifty percent of India in me, and the other fifty percent is full Canadian. Love that. Nice. Cool. So we're, we're, we're at the end, and we, we like to end our show with uh, rapid-fire questions. So Raj and I will go through a list of questions, and then we just want you to uh, give an answer uh, that comes first to your mind. I'm going into anxiety now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I have never All done right. this before, ever. Okay. 
I don't even know what kind of questions people ask in rapid fire. Do you want to give me the first one? <laughs> so you have to answer right, right away, so, or like, how does this work? It's a, yeah, it's rapid a, fire. Yeah, and it's, first it's, thing that comes. Yeah. Let's do this. You ready? Yes. All right. Cool. So, favorite musician slash DJ slash DJ DJ Snake. All right. Hollywood or Bollywood? Bollywood. Trudeau or Obama? Oh my gosh, Obama. Hey. hey. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh my god. If you asked Favorite me Pierre Indian. Trudeau, I would have said yes, but not 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 this Trudeau. Not recently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite Indian food? Balik paneer. Nice. The last concert you went to that wasn't your own? Oh my gosh, it's been so long. It was a Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake concert, and that was probably years ago. Oh, that was like a decade ago. No, that was the Holy Grail tour. Holy Grail. Yeah, it was amazing. It's, I, yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm not a huge concert goer because I'm so busy with my own touring and gigs. Uh, Yeah, I feel like that's, I would go to a lot of concerts when I was first starting out and then my time just got a little bit less to attend. Sure, sure. Um, favorite city or venue that you've DJed or gigged at? Dubai. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> if you can, like, that was imagine. like an obvious yeah. one. Yeah. I saw your face. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. If you can collaborate with any other artist, who would it be? Oh, would it be mainstream or like anyone? I guess you anyone. know what. I'm just gonna. I would just say DJ Snake. <laughs> cool. Okay. DJ Snake, if you're listening to this, yeah, putting yes. it out there in the universe. We've plugged you in multiple times. He actually follows me on Twitter, by the way. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've DM'd a few times. All right. All right. That's, well, that's something. We just need that collab in. <laughs> yeah. Um, Drake or Justin Bieber? Justin Bieber. Hey, nice. Ooh, okay. Tim I know Hortons most. I know Starbucks. most girls would say Drake any day, but yeah, Justin Bieber. I respect that. Yeah, that's a win-win. You can't go wrong either way. <laughs> um, Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Starbucks. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> uh, hockey or basketball? Basketball. Okay. You guys could probably answer my rapid fire questions. That's what's funny. <laughs> Some of them now, yeah. Yeah. Favorite hair color? Ooh. Blonde. Even though I'm teal right now. Okay. <laughs> <I've> been, <laughs> I feel like you guys are confused looking. <laughs> no, no. I, like, yeah, I, 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 I was trying the... to think. Yeah, I don't remember the blonde one. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've I don't remember like the blue. Blonde. Oh, okay. You were trying to visualize. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Oh, you like you saw the pink, right? Okay, in the music yeah. videos. Yeah. Um, what's the last Indian movie you watched? Oh, what was it? Giryan was the last one. It's really dark. It was with Deepika Padukone. Did you guys watch it? it? No, no. That's okay. No. It wasn't. I mean, hopefully they never hear this. No, just kidding. <laughs> It's very dark for me. I felt like there was a twist in it that didn't make sense, but then that then again, that's Bollywood. 
Oh, actually, I watched 83. That was great. Yes, yes. Oh, wow, I, I really? saw that too. Okay. That was a phenomenal okay. film. Did you watch it, yes. Raj, as well? No, I haven't seen that. I'll check that out. That's, you uh, must. That is two yeah. resounding yeses for that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I love yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. It's on Netflix, so easy to watch, too. Like, And I thought, too, that like I'd watch it and like break it up in like mm-hmm. a couple days because it's like fairly long. Yeah. Um, I uh, powered through that I thing. I powered through so that good. thing. It was so good. And the acting was phenomenal. Yeah. It's a cricket movie, so like it, it, it like encapsulated my love for sports into the story, which is not it was good. Okay. And it's based um, on a true story, and and they actually yeah. make references to actual cricketers and uh, just the yeah. history of it all. It's it's actually very very inspiring. Yeah. All right. Like Sweet. the the film the filmmaking was really cool too. Like they had highlights from the game back in '83, and then they would like kind of fuse the highlights into the movie production so it looked like you were watching both it was really oh, cool. nice they were juxtaposing like actual clips yeah exactly, exactly. juxtaposing cool. that's the word um <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so back to rapid fire here uh, what's the last indian meal you had grele and roti from my mom <laughs> i'm going on tour you, soon gotcha do you eat indian food a lot in general um I would say it's like 50-50. Um, leading up to traveling, I do prefer to have like healthy Indian meals. I feel like I can stay more on track with Indian meals, even though people are like, it's heavy. I feel like if you make the right decisions and eat the right food, it ends up being better. They throw in ginger, garlic, turmeric. They're all super healthy. Yeah, yeah. If you can minimize the uh, the carbs and the grease and the uh, yeah, I actually yeah. have these keto wraps that taste really good, and I eat that as my roti. So I just ask my mom for the oh. sabji, and I eat it with these keto wraps. It, it's really good. That's dope. I'm I'll have to look for that. Yes, <laughs> I'll have to tell you which ones because I've had keto bread before, and it was not. It was not happening. Yeah. Raj is sitting Raj is sitting over there as as if he's cooking subjis for himself and Austin. For himself and Austin. <laughs> he's gonna go ask yeah. his mom now. <laughs> yeah, it'll either be my wife or my mom, but I mean I, I can I can roll up I can I can warm up the uh, roti though. That part I can take care of. There you go. <laughs> All right. Any more um, rapid fire? Almost almost done. Thumbs fun. Thumb, thumbs. I like this game. Yeah, it is. It is. It's pretty fun. Uh, thumbs up or Pepsi? Pepsi. I hate thumbs up. It's so nasty. Oh, damn. I used to drink it when I, I was a kid, but I always preferred Fanta over thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up just didn't okay. feel like real Coke to me or Pepsi. Yeah. Do you guys and like thumbs up? Dress. Have you had it? No, I don't really... Nah, it's okay. I'll have it if I'm in India, but that's. I like Limka. Yes, Limka's good. Limka's good. Um, all right, last one here: dress or sari. I thought sweatpants would be an option. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we know the answer there, so yeah. We wanted to have you think a little bit. Uh, Oh my gosh, this one actually is tough because I feel like saris are so beautiful and sexy, and dresses, I mean, are way easier to wear. So I don't know. Like it depends on. (laughs) That's a tough one. I'm gonna say a dress, or no? Okay. Okay. Yeah, dress. Dress. Yeah. I wear yeah, way, way more dresses. Yeah. I feel like I failed that one. 
<laughs> is it possible to fail a question? <laughs> I don't know. This might be a first. <laughs> uh, oh, well, man. That's, this that's was all awesome. We, yeah, that's, this was a very fun episode. Thank, thank you so much for coming on. DJ Goddess, Jessica, we really enjoyed your time. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much as well. I love the questions and thanks for having me on your podcast. I totally appreciate it. It was nice. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, yeah. DJ Goddess, plug yourself. Let the people know uh, what they can ch- check out, where they can follow you. Um, I think you're a super cool individual on a personal level getting to know you today and then your music, your style. So if you haven't gone and seen her stuff yet, I would definitely check it out. But let us know where we can find it. Thanks so much. Uh, Well, my music is mainly available on YouTube. All my mixes, videos um, are all up there. You guys can scope it out uh, and then, or you can catch me on the gram. (laughs) I am DJ Goddess is the same. Uh, I feel like those are my two biggest platforms and yeah, maybe like see you guys there (laughs) in the comments. Let us know when you're uh, either in Chicago or Texas for your tour. Uh, We'd love to stop by. Yeah. I was in Texas three times already recently. Had I known, I would have definitely let you guys know and you could have come through. But uh, yeah, next show for sure, we'll let you know. And we're going to have rapper Raj in the house for it. We're going to have <laughs> Bubs MCing. It's going to be a dope yes. concert. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, everyone. Well, that's episode four. Uh, if you haven't if you haven't found our website yet, it's www.therajandbubspod.com. Our IG is at the Raj and Bubs Pod, and our Twitter is at Raj and Bubs Pod. Bubs, any closing thoughts? Nah, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, it was a blast making this episode, and many more to come. Cheers, guys. Till next time. <laughs>